You're listening to the Superman Super Show, episode number 42, Campaign Against the Planet. Hello and welcome to the Superman Super Show. I'm a host, my name is Steven, and a thousand miles over there to my right is another host, Mr. Ed Moore. Sup, Doug, sup. Doug just joined us live in the chat area. I don't know what kind of accent that is when people say Uria. I, I, I don't know. Sounds like don't a know what comic book character or something. How you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. I, I have, I have a, a piece of uh, banter here staring me in the face. Okay, go for it. Um, throughout the week, uh, as I want to do at work, I sit and work on a computer um, all day long. And there are times when processes are running that I have more downtime than you probably actually should have at work, but it's there anyways. And something will pop into my head and I'll get on the internet and I'll just go down a rabbit hole. Well, I've been finding that a lot lately. I've been going down a early uh, comic book history rabbit hole, but early uh, for my way of thinking is early for what I can get a hold of. And so that's like... Uh, late 60s, early 70s. That that stuff I still see at shows and stuff like that. Uh, I see the comic books before that, but they're back there on the wall in a piece of plastic with like four digits on them. So yeah. in essence, I, I can't see them there, you know. Yeah. So, um, But uh, a lot of the early um, cartoonists, uh, writers, and a lot of the early comic book companies, I've been favoring as I'm doing research and I go back um, looking something else up. And this is where I stopped. It catches my eye. This late 60s, early 70s, East Coast kind of um, early comic book as we know it. And, yeah. and four companies keep coming up. Um, Fanagraphics, which is still going today. Company called Last Gasp. Company mm. called Ripoff Press. And a company called Print Mint. Um, Fanagraphics was... Uh, actually, there's another one called Kitchen Sink, but they've they've gone under. I've heard uh, of them. Kitchen Sink was based in Wisconsin initially. Then they moved yeah. uh, out to the Ninja Turtle area, uh, Vermont, New Hampshire, I think, something like that. Yeah. Uh, but those those four companies, Print Mint, Fantagraphics, Last Gasp, and Ripoff Press. A lot of really early cartoonists, um, a lot of early comic books but what gets me is that they the books were so they were so raw they 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 were people um who wanted to say something and didn't think they could say it up until this particular point in time so when they were able to say it boy they really said it yeah uh, uh political stuff um sexually charged stuff or just straight up what a lot of people would call pornographic. Um, I don't think it was necessarily intended to be pornographic titillating. Um, yeah. I think it was intended to be pornographic F the man uh, kind okay. of, you know, um, but just it, it just strikes me compared to now. Now, I, I understand now uh, the comic books are much more mass market. So you've got real young to real old, and you try to cover as much of that territory as you can. Um, yeah. These folks were just writing and to heck with who the audience was. They didn't care who the audience was going to be. Um, yeah. It was up to the people who sold the book to tell people that they did not feel were appropriate that, hey, 
this is not appropriate, you know. Um, and this this is a time period too where you hear you have stories about where people got in trouble with the law because they didn't do that. Somebody mm-hmm. just bought the book, took it home to little Bobby, who actually turned out to only be eight. Um, <laughs> but the book had some, you know, some I won't say objectionable, but some definitely adult oriented stuff in it. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, that's just a lot of the uh, spare time reading that I've been doing. I just finished a um, a book on the history of Kitchen Sink Press. Um, I picked up another one out of my comic book room to start reading about the independent. This is called Independent Press. Uh, I uh, for various reasons. Yeah. Um, nice big thick book that is kind of the tome on indie press. Um, and I didn't write down the name of it, but if you if you look it up, there's a, a book by a dude. He wrote it in like the mid seventies, and it's like five hundred pages long, wow. and it basically talks about that middle to late sixties up until, of course, when the book came out, which is turns out only to be about ten years. But um, yeah. he had five hundred and some pages worth of material to write about. So yeah, that's where a lot of my off time when I'm not specifically doing something with comic books has been going is to that era, to those people. Crumb uh, was one of the people there. Uh, the, uh, the the keep on trucking dude, I know you've seen it with the big thumb uh, yeah. logo-y kind of thing. Very 60s-ish, but actually it, I think he did that in the very late 60s, early 70s. Yeah. Um, and some folks like that, That's that was all part of that. A lot of uh, female writers that are really they're not as active now, but they're really talked about as being the uh, motivation for a lot of female writers now is because they read that stuff. That's when those women were coming out and were also drawing things. Uh, Comiskey, uh, I believe, is is one of the names. Um, yeah, anyways, just that's where my mind's been going. A lot of that late 60s, early 70s kind of yeah. n- new new wave, new age comic stuff. Breaking the mold from DC and and Marvel sounds like fun. It for the most part. Sometimes I can. I'm I'm like, you know, it, it's it's a little too raw for me. Yeah. And not that most of it is my kind of thing, anyways. I'm I'm still very much a, a superhero guy. Yeah. Uh, they weren't, you know, they weren't writing about superheroes. They were writing as as aggressively and as uh, granular and as grating as they could. So. But yeah, it's it's yeah. it's been interesting to see that this is where it kind of started into the '80s kind of stuff that I really dig into the '90s uh, with a lot of the uh, punk and outlaw artists and things like that. Moving on into now, cool, uh, fabulous, furry mm-hmm. freak brothers, freak brothers. Yep, that was one. Never really got into them. I had a uh, back in the in the nineties when I was playing in a, a band. Our our bass player slash singer. Once he found out I was into comic books, he's like, "Oh, you got to check out the fabulous furry freak brothers." And yeah. I think he gave me, you know, loaned me an issue or two, and I was just like, it's "Not really for me." But I yeah. always remember that they um, have a cartoon uh, that's fairly recent, like just the last couple years on uh, Tubi. Maybe. Oh yeah, I think a couple, couple, three seasons on there. I watched the first season and I was like, "Yeah, I'm good. I I can't, (laughs) (laughs) I I can't do any more anymore." Yeah. Um, Gilbert Shelton was the creator of the Fabulous Furry Freak Brothers for 
for Doug or anyone else that might want to know? Well, I uh, read, uh, I don't, I'm not going to really go into it because I, I recorded an episode for just another fanboy yesterday about it, but I read what I consider almost the perfect Superman story recently. Cool. Um, Superman up in the sky from uh, Tom King and one of the Kubert brothers. I don't remember which one, Andy or Adam, but do you remember 2018 when DC was doing those uh, exclusive giants for Walmart? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. They had a, like each issue had a uh, like 12 pages of a new story and then the rest was reprints and Mm -hmm. This was serialized in in like uh, twelve of those issues. Okay, so it's okay. It's, it's collected from those that he did. And yeah, the, okay. they did. They did eventually release them as issues. They had to take like two stories and stick them into one issue. So mm-hmm. it was like six six regular comic book issues, but okay. it was twelve parts ultimately. But uh, man, it was just it was freaking amazing. Oh, cool! And uh, uh, I just. I know I had to mention it since we're on a, a Superman podcast. Sure. It was, it was really, it was really fun. Uh, I don't know if you remember there was a, it was either when those stories came out in the giants or when they collected them. But do you remember some brouhaha on the internet about an issue of Superman that was constantly showing Lois dying and people were really upset about that. It's like, you know, you, got to keep killing Lois over and over in this comic book and blah, blah, blah. People were really I, angry about that. I, I don't think I ran across that. No, that's, that's where this up in the sky is where that came from. And as soon as I got to that issue and I started, it's called the story is called the thousand deaths of Lois Lane. I started reading it and I'm like, Oh, I remember this. People were pissed oh. off about this. Okay. But it's, uh, it's like, it's a, it's a, Superman's out in space. He's like a hundred thousand light years from earth or whatever. And he is, uh, arranged to, uh, call Lois like a certain time every day or a certain time every week. And he's in this, like, it's like an alien DMV almost Their Their, their, their role is to beam phone calls, you know, thousands of light years away. So he kind of, he goes in, he goes up to the counter and they dial Lois and she doesn't answer. So like the whole story is, is him sitting in this waiting room okay. and every once in a while he'll go up to the counter and he'll be like, you called my name. And they'll be like, you need to wait for us to call your name. Well, you just called my name. Are you sure? You know, this whole like bureaucracy yeah. kind of crap. Okay. But in between all that, he is, he, he can't help but picture why is Lois not answering the phone? Okay. And he's imagining all these oh. scenarios like. Lex Luthor kidnaps okay. her and, and, and kills her and all this stuff. And it's like, I read that and I, I, you know, I've been in the, well, I've never been in an alien phone center, but right, you right. know, That's, I've come home from work or something and nobody was home right. or have been at work and tried to call home and nobody answered. And of course you just start going, why, why aren't they answering? What? And what immediately your mind yeah. yeah, goes to all these crazy, was there, did somebody come and break in and murder them all and stuff? Yeah. And so that, you know, I, I, I could kind of understand people's anger, but I don't think they quite got what Tom King was trying to do there. I, and it, it, yeah, I, I, he, you know, it, it very much sounds just from your description as yet another attempt by a writer to show people that Superman is like us. Yeah. It, and that's, you know. It, 
it was it was so good. The the central theme of the story is ultimately that Superman will never back down. He will do whatever it takes and he will overcome any odds, any of the odds to 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 help someone. It was, oh, it was so good. Doug, oh. uh that uh that if if you've got the DC Infinite Universe or Universe Infinite app, it's on there. That's that's where I read it. And I'd been hearing a lot from people over the last couple of years that there was a great story. And I decided, you know, I need to read more Tom King. So really enjoyed it. Oh, cool. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Um, banter complete. All right. Shukunk. We shutting the gate on the, on on the banter. banter. I've got more. I'll save it till the next episode. Oh, yeah, I do too. I actually yeah. wrote things right. down so that it, we, could, we could spread it out. I like how we plan our off-the-cuff banter. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> I mean, that's if you ever delve into the to the like behind the scenes of a talk show, all those questions that they ask celebrities and the, their answers, it's all pre-written mm-hmm. to a certain extent. Uh, to a certain, yeah. I've seen comedians, yeah, I've seen comedians on there sitting in the chair talking to Kimmel or or Conan or whoever, and it's like they're having a conversation, but they're doing their act. It's like I've seen them do that. Okay. On stage, uh, that's that's all their jokes. It's it, and, and then it ruins it for me, you know. Well, but behind the curtain, that's why you got to be careful. Yeah. If if you go yeah. if you go behind the curtain, uh, be be sure that that's what you want. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, so today we're looking at a story called "Campaign Against the Planet." This appeared in Superman number five, and when I first saw that title, I saw the title before I read the story. And I assumed at some point there was going to be aliens invading the earth. Mm -hmm. When they said planet in the title, I thought they meant our planet, but no, it's the daily planet. Uh, This was written by Jerry Siegel. The artist was Paul Cassidy. Uh, Superman number five has a cover date of 1940. Summer 1940, but an on sale date of May 10th, 1940, according to Mike's Amazing World of Comics, which is where we also got the synopsis to the story. So I'll tell you what happened. Actually, before I start, let me ask you this, because right away in the synopsis, they, they give me the name of this politician. How would you pronounce his last name? Evil. That's what I thought. I kept thinking Evil, but I'm like, nah, I bet it's Evil. Yeah. I E-V-E-L-L. I mean, that's too on. Part of me was like, that's too on the nose. Yeah. But then again, it's, it's 1940. So. <laughs> yeah. Today, we'd be like. Avel, Evil. Yeah. It's yep. like, no, no. Yep. What is it? It's Evil. Evil. Yeah. Evil. Yep. All right. So corrupt politician Alex Evil buys a rival newspaper, the Morning Pictorial, to increase his political power. Using the newspaper's influence, Evil gives honest city council leaders a bad name and attacks the police force in order to make things easier for his racketeer pals. The Daily Planet begins a series of articles taking a stand against Evil and his actions. Evil tries to buy the planet as well, but when he can't buy it, he begins a campaign of dirty tricks against them. He sets fire to their delivery trucks, forces newsmen not to sell the planet, and otherwise disrupts circulation. Superman intervenes to make sure the planet gets out to its readers. He corrals the mobsters responsible for the vandalism and terror. Evil orders the capture of Lois Lane in order to lure Superman to his death. Superman overcomes his attackers and tries to force a confession from Evil. Although Evil won't confess, his henchmen do, which convicts the man for his crimes. What do you think about this one? 
it uh, it was different feeling. Uh, it was I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, there there were some things that happened uh, throughout the story uh, as far as uh, things Superman did that haven't come up before, but was the start because very similar things happened throughout the rest of this issue number yeah. five of Superman, the other uh, two stories, hopefully, that we'll be able to talk about tonight. And and so it was like, yeah. you know, wow, that's never happened before, but then it happened and it happened and it happened. And it's like, oh, okay. I, yeah. I, I see you. You've latched onto something that you like. And so now it's it's become a thing. Yeah. So, but yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was fun. I liked the twist there at the end. As far, I mean, as far as twists are concerned, when it's instead of uh, his normal mo, which is to force a confession from somebody, he tries it again this time, and the guy won't do it. But his henchman, who the 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 evil had left in the building that he set on fire, yeah, he's like, ah, let him burn. You know, they they're like. You're going to let us burn? All right, we will confess everything and we'll get you put in jail. And I I thought that was great. Yep. He uh, finally, um, somebody that gets done dirty comes back and it's like, man, I don't appreciate what (laughs) you did. And yeah, we've seen it happen a couple times up to now, but they didn't do anything. You know, it was just like they stayed henchmen. But yeah, in this story, right. they were like, no, no, we, we, yeah. you, no, no pun intended, or perhaps pun intended, you burned a bridge. And so it's like, you know, yeah. Yeah. And the henchmen were really kind of funny in this book, in this issue, in this story. Um, there's a particular panel after Evil writes the story about Counselor Barnes, Barnes accusations, top Baron Munchausen, basically t- saying that his Barnes was speaking out against evil in his newspaper. And mm-hmm. so there's this one panel where evil's hanging out with some of the racketeers. And like one guy's like the cops have arrested Mike and all the poor guy done was rob a bank. Like he's just, that just amazes him. Yeah. That, how dare they? And uh, one guy says, it's an outrage. They confiscated all our fake lottery tickets. You know, it's to, to them, that's just a natural way of life. And for somebody to do something that is in any way opposite, it's it's not like they go, well, I understand why the cops right, would do no. that because what we're doing is against the law. No, they're like, they shouldn't be doing that because this is the way I make my living. <laughs> well, not only that, but I think a part of it is that they have never done that before. Right. Yeah. You know, so it's like yep. it, it, their world, that that doesn't happen in my world. And, and so here it's yeah. happening and they're like, what? So I- Well, and- if you read between the lines, they could be just basically saying that up until this point, we had the cops in our pocket, mm-hmm. you know, they were all crooked, but now suddenly they're on the side of the angels, you know? Yeah. They've got, uh, they've got the press behind them now. So they, they don't have to worry as much or they, yeah. However, yeah. Somebody like this would look at that. Yeah. We also had some more evidence of Lois, the flip flopper when oh, it comes man. to her feelings toward Clark. Uh, there, when Clark starts to write the article about evil near the beginning, she's like, do it, Clark, get him or something like that. Mm -hmm. And she calls him a base. What, where is it that, because when, when evil sends his crew out in the pictorial, uh, trucks to just basically disrupt (sighs) the planet circulation, it's like this gang war out on the streets between two rival newspapers, which is exactly what it is. 
And Superman, he at one point, he says, well, the Daily Planet is too upstanding to hire some thugs to defend it. So I'm going to have to do it myself. Mm -hmm. And uh, so <laughs> when all this is happening, of course, the, the, the publisher, what, whatever, Taylor, whatever his name is, he wants... He wants uh, Clark to go out and, and get get the news. He wants he wants Lois to stay inside because it's dangerous. Right, it's stay not at the planet. It's, it's dangerous. Not a place for a woman to be. Uh, but he wants Clark to go out and get the news. And Clark, oh, oh, there's there's violence out there. I can't go out there. And they, uh, Clark, Lois ends up going out there with him. And so there's a moment where she, the this guy is uh, standing up to Lois and Clark, and of course. Clark is like, careful, Lois, he might get violent. And so the guy pushes Clark's face, which is at least the second time that that's happened yes. in, in a Superman story. He pushed him by um, the face. <laughs> yeah, just, you know. And, uh, oh, there's also a lot of instances of people saying, A, at the end of their sentence. Daily reporter, Daily Planet reporters, A. Mm -hmm. A lot of that. But as Lois is walking away, she's upset at Clark. and. She says, uh, and you just stand there and let him get away with it. Clark says, but Lois, he was twice my size. Surely you didn't expect me to. And she finishes his sentence. Behave like a normal red-blooded he-man? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. She's, that just. She's ragging on him pretty hard. And then later when evil uh, lures her, her out of the planet by having a tip called in that Clark has been hospitalized or something right. she's like oh i've got to go poor clark you know and somebody's like you can't leave the planet the chief told you not to leave but i've got to find poor clark he's hurt so yeah she's well, very wishy-washy right right after she was uh ragging on him for not being red-blooded she's yeah. right red-blooded he-man several times uh in this story in particular two times these two situations that you just spoke of that involved lois I like the drawing of the action lines to show that she is very literally turning on her heel. Yes. And yeah. walking off or or walking away or whatever it may be. But it it's it's very much a a symbolizing in my mind turning on her heel. Yeah, that see if I can But in, in both of those situations panel. Oh, darn it. But might have I was gonna say it might have moved on you. We Yes, yes, that's the first that one. one. Right there. Yeah. But I like Clark. Oh, <laughs> but yeah, she does it. She does it again there, uh, where she's leaving to go to the hospital. Um, she takes the call at the end of the one page, and then the first panel on the next page. But the chief left orders for you not to leave the building. Same, same effect. She's just swishing right by him, and I, I just I, I like the feel yep. of that in the artwork. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's Paul Cassidy. And then on the same page, we have the moment that I thought happened in the previous story where Clark is hanging on to the bottom of the car and just sailing along beside it, basically, which just looks freaking ridiculous. And he, he actually pulls himself under the car. Mm -hmm. And uh, as the auto climbs a curb at the end of its journey, Superman's head bumps against the curb, smashing it. And his his response is, just got a good scalp massage. Yep. A lot of, lot of one-liners from Superman lately. And this happens again in one of the next two stories. I don't know if it's the next one, but it's one of the next two. Yeah. Almost the exact same thing. And, and this was yeah. one of those things that I was talking about that 
we've not seen them do before, but now they're doing in rapid succession. Yep. They're repeating yep. it. Yeah. And that other one, it was bumps in the road and he was literally smoothing out yeah, the road. Yeah, leveling the road. Because, he, yeah. Yeah, because that's crazy. And uh, you, but, you mentioned the, uh, the, the newspaper wars here. Um, first, they, they try to block traffic. Uh, with their delivery trucks. Well, Superman stacks those up like cordwood, although they say like a deck of cards. Uh, then there's an armored truck that they try to use, and he he gets rid of that. Then some uh, bad guys try to turn over some of the delivery trucks for the planet, but Superman catches the truck and writes it so that it doesn't get flipped yep. over. Um, ultimately, he picks up, is it... Um, well, actually, this looks like the truck that he righted, so I that that can't be right, but he grabs a truck, yeah, same that, color. Well, and it's got the daily planet symbol on it, too. Yeah, um, so I mean, they, oh, so after he overwrites the truck, the thugs that tried to tip it over jump into it and drive away. Yeah, they steal so they it, steal okay. it basically. Yeah, and he takes it uh, and j- flies. He he can't fly yet. He he jumps up with it. Yeah, which uh, this got me. I, I, I'm not a stickler for for comic book science per se. Uh, you know, there's of course you you start out having to suspend disbelief to begin with, and so if that's what you're going to do, you might as well just go whole hog and just you know. But yeah, he jumps up with this truck and he jumps up to a building. And lands on top of the building holding the truck. Yeah, I, 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 I just, I do not think it's going to happen that way. It, you know, I think, goofy me, that that truck is going to punch him through the roof just like a bullet. And he's just going to, yeah. you know. Well, it doesn't. Well, yeah. But, it, but not only that, yeah, he yeah. jumps from that one point on the, on the roof. He jumps to go higher up. So, he, he's kind of. Doing more like a Spider-Man, jumping from building to yeah. building. Only he's doing it holding a whole freaking truck over his head. <laughs> and I'm like, yep. uh, yeah. um, ultimately, he he sets the truck down on top of a smokestack. And <laughs> I was wondering, I'm like, dude, how do you get out of that? <laughs> right? <Yeah>. And <laughs> speaking of motion lines, as he's jumping away, he's like spinning in yes. midair. He's, he's got another... Turning on his heels, kind of, yeah, yeah. So there's there's several um, conventions, I guess you could call them, that come up in this story that just quickly start repeating. Yeah, it's like the artists really want Superman to fly. They just, <sighs> you know, yep. He 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 just can't yet, not yet. Because the the three panels, well, the four panels where he's carrying the truck when he jumps up with the truck. You see him jump across the second panel, land on the roof in the third panel, and then jump up to the smokestack. It looks like he's flying. Yes. Plain and simple. Yeah. Yeah. That's from the minute, from the panel when he first picks it up on the previous page, um, yeah. the way that it's drawn and how he's situated underneath it and everything, he's flying. He he didn't jump oh, yeah. carrying that truck. He's flying with nope. it. But yeah. Yep. Can't can't fly yet, yeah. or doesn't fly yet, or what you know. How, however, it turns out, I, I just don't, I don't understand why that change hasn't been made. Is it is it editorial that they don't, you know, that they won't let it, or it just, I don't know. I, it's weird. I don't. It'd be interesting to find out, um, you know, how these were put together back then. You know, 
We know that there was eventually in the 60s such a thing called the Marvel method Mm -hmm. where Stan just told his artists, all right, this is just this is what's going to happen in the comics. I need him to do I need him to do this, this and this. And then the artist actually tells the story. They they Mm -hmm. put it all together. Mm -hmm. And then Stan would go in afterwards and fill in the dialogue and caption boxes and whatnot. So I don't know if this is part of me feels like it's kind of the same thing. Like these the. The artists are drawing Superman as if he's flying because as far as they're concerned, he should be flying. Right. But then Siegel, is that the writer? Yeah. He's going in and putting text in there to make it clear to everybody that he's not flying. He is jumping. Right. Right. So, so yeah. Is it like a DC edict or is Siegel like, no, he doesn't fly. Gosh, darn it. Yeah. (laughs) I I just, I don't, I, I don't understand why, why. Why, why can't he? What, I mean, what is yeah. the, surely somebody has thought that, man, wouldn't it be cool if he flew? And this is where you right. say, well, yeah, it would be cool if he flew and my name's not Shirley, but that's okay. <laughs> yes, that's exactly. Sorry. Right. Yeah. We get another moment in this book where Superman is tossing a guy up into the air and catching him. Mm-hmm. Um, and at one point, again, you brought up the motion lines. He's holding the guy over his head, and it's, he's very obviously just shaking him up and down as he's holding him. Yep. And I'm assuming his arms and legs are just snapping. Slapping. Like yeah, you, you know it, man. It just- <laughs> uh, good stuff. Oh, yeah, this is the story. So I thought it was the next one, but the, 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 the truck goes off the cliff, mm-hmm. and Superman leaps after it, grabs it, and while he's in midair, throws it up, and then lands on the ground, and then jumps back up to catch it. Right. Yep. Which uh, is it's pretty awesome, but the fact that he's like uh, in the air catching the truck and then tossing Christian. it back up in the air while with no resistance yeah, all behind what, him. How did, yeah, so, I don't. I feel like, and it may have even been that Superman story I was talking about at the beginning. I feel like that was brought up at some point to Superman. I think it was. Okay. Because there's this little girl he rescues and she's just pestering him with questions. And he is more than happy to answer each and every one of them. And I'm pretty sure she asks him, how do you, you know, push something when you're in the air because there's no resistance behind you. <laughs> and he's you just go. like, eh, it's too hard to explain. He tells her. <laughs> That's as good an answer as any. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a question and, and you, you may not know that's, that's fine. Superman's. Okay. Um, somewhere it, Came up. Oh, it came up in a book that I was reading uh, to read along with John's Superman in Crisis show. Um, okay, somebody depowered Superman by taking away people's belief in Superman in what he could do. Like took away like his Santa Claus. Uh, maybe like took away his his confidence. Okay. I can see that, yeah. Okay, so so my question is this: is are are the things that Superman can do, like say um, his strength or his uh, invulnerability, his imperviousness to to damage, are those cellular things, or is he thinking, and so he is telekinetically? increasing his strength and, and increasing his durability and things like that. Do, do you know, ha, hasn't that been addressed that there is some it aspect post, that is? Post-crisis, yes. He is a solar battery and he absorbs the radiation from our yellow sun. 
And that's what gives him pa- his power. So it, it is at a cellular level. Okay. Pre-crisis, I, I can't, I'm, I okay. cannot speak in any confidence how that worked before the crisis. Because there's a Marvel character um, named Gladiator. Uh, and he is part of the- With the, the big mohawk, mohawk guy? Yeah. He, he first really showed up in the Fantastic Four, but he's yeah. a member of the Shi'ar um, Imperial Guard. And- he is he is Superman. Yeah. But his abilities are based on his belief that he can do those things. Hmm. And so you attack him by making him question his ability to do these things and suddenly he cannot do them. He's not as strong as he should be. He he takes more damage, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. Um it's interesting. And, and so I I just with with reading that from what uh, the the book that John was talking about, in that it it was almost like his his confidence was waning, and yeah. so he did not believe that he was capable of doing these things, and it it caused him some issues. He he wasn't really going up against uh, bad guys where he had to be super strong or invulnerable or things like that. So it it didn't reflect yeah. that way. But but it it um uh, who was it? Somebody. Who was the bad guy? Parasite? It was Parasite. And he was leeching the people's belief in Superman away from him. Just like he leeches other forms of energy, they were saying that that is a form of energy too, that he was he was doing that. And so people were starting to turn towards him, Parasite, as being the big superhero going to save everybody and not hmm. Superman. And And Superman started feeling that. Was this a recent episode? Yeah, w- within the last couple. Okay, yeah, because I, I remember listening to an, to one of his last episodes, and, mm-hmm. and the the parasite was in it. But yeah. I'm often doing like making breakfast or something, sure, and so yeah, I yeah. miss certain things. But I do remember him saying, or maybe it was the the next episode, and somebody had written in to say that that's not really how the parasite's powers are supposed to work. But um, I, I don't know. Pre crisis, I, I don't know, but. The second Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie, mm-hmm. that's what kind of happened to him. He starts losing his powers throughout the movie, and it's kind of you kind of find out it's because he's he's lost confidence in himself. Right, right, yeah, and that's yeah. So his powers just stop working. So kind of a a play on uh, <clears throat> male performance, uh, if you will. Yeah, it's like getting the yips. Yeah, it's uh, you know. So yeah, okay, um, okay. I don't, I don't think. Anything else really stood out to me? Oh, well, we, we do have a hanging Superman. Yes. And, and not only is he hanging, but the bad guy notices that he's hanging and he sees his fingers right. and he goes and gets a fire axe and he tries Ooh. to show Superman not to do that. And then when he brings up the axe, of course, the axe is notched from where he... Right. <laughs> so. that, that panel, though, where he... I don't think this will come over, come off on the, on the camera too well, but that panel where he notices Superman's fingers in the window pane has got to be one of my favorite panels ever of these Superman books. Cause yeah. And, and we can see it. I mean, they drew the hand so that we reading the book can see his, his fingers there from, you know, halfway across the room on the, on the window pane. (laughs) So yeah, that was, that was good. It's very, it makes me think of, moments like uh like wizard of oz pay no attention to the man behind the curtain right right you know or 
people like trying to hide in plain sight. And they're just like, if I pretend that nobody can see me, then they won't see me. And I just, I, that just cracked me up. And then he gets, he gets, you know, his hand hit with the ax, doesn't hurt his hand. It damages the ax. And then he jumps up to the roof and then immediately comes back down because his, his thought is, he, he won't expect me to come back so soon. Exactly. Yeah. He, he knows I left. He won't expect me to be back. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Let me look through here. Yeah. There's really. I think that's. Yeah. That's everything. Um, yeah. There's this almost like this bookend thing with the story where at the very beginning, uh, the chief is telling Clark that he can take a vacation. Yes. Uh, but then the, the newspaper war breaks out and he's like, nope, can't take a vacation. And then when it's all wrapped up, Clark is like, at the end, all right, I'm ready to take vacation. Nope. Now you, you still can't take vacation because now that the rival newspaper is in good hands, we have to make sure that we're, we stay competitive. Yeah, kind of. Uh, and I'm, then he tells him to, I want news. <laughs> Get out there. I want news. Yeah, you, you, you've seen that play out in uh, television shows, in movies, you know, where boss says something, but something happens and you're not able to do it. And then at the end, yeah. when you come back and you call the boss on the fact that he said you could do something, he turns around for whatever the reason and says, no, yeah. you can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember saying that. Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, we ready to wrap it up then? I, I think so. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Doug, for joining us live. Of course, stick around, Doug. We're going to do two more episodes. Hey. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Until, yeah, behind the curtain, we're going to record a couple more episodes. (laughs) But until then, folks, until next week, I'm Steven, and that's Ed. And this was the Superman Super Show. Bye. Ciao. You've been listening to the Superman Super Show. Questions and comments can be directed to the Superman Super Show at gmail.com. You can follow the show on Twitter under the handle at Supes Super Show. That's at S-U-P-S Super Show. And continue the conversation at the Super Show Forum at forums.justanotherfanboy.com. We also encourage you to rate the show wherever available and share this podcast with a friend. All links will be in the show notes. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics Magazine.